0: Hi, everyone. It's Casper here. We've got some fabulous live shows coming up that we hope you'll be able to join us for. We're in Cambridge, Massachusetts on October 2nd, Washington, D.C. on November 7th, Chicago, Illinois, where my uncle was born, on November 21st, and St. Louis on December 19th. We hope to see you there. Hi, this is Casper, We recorded this week's episode before the attacks in Orlando and wanted to offer our thoughts and love um, in response to the tragedy. A lot of people will turn to prayer or to their religious community in such times of despair. And we know that for a whole ton of our listeners, that's not really an option. And so what we wanted to suggest was that if there are times of sadness and um, loss of hope and courage, that this can be a kind of prayer, that turning to this text and delving into it with with attention and with love is itself a kind of prayer. So we found one little passage that for us really speaks volumes in this time of mourning and of of anger um, that we hope will speak to you
1: also. This offering is from Goblet of Fire. It is the speech that Dumbledore makes when Cedric Diggory has been killed by Lord Voldemort. And every time I say the name Cedric Diggory, I will be thinking of the 49 victims in Orlando and of their families. It is my belief, and never have I so hoped that I am mistaken, that we are all facing dark and difficult times. Some of you in this hall have already suffered directly. Many of your families have been torn asunder. A week ago, a student Cedric Diggory, was taken from our midst. Remember Cedric. Remember if the time comes when you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy. Remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of violence. Remember Cedric Diggory.
0: May we all choose what is right over what is easy. Now let's turn to our text for today. Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to a school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. I'm Caspar Kyle.
1: I'm Vanessa Zoltan.
0: And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text.
1: Just a quick announcement before we get started, thank you so much for those of you who have applied to be our social media volunteer. We're going to keep the application up online at harrypottersacredtext.com for one more week. We're really excited to get some more voices in to this conversation, so please go to our website and apply to be our social media volunteer. I went to Peru with my friend Emmy, and we decided we were going to do this sort of epic biking and hiking trip in order to get to the peak of Machu Picchu. And on day 3 of 5 maybe the front tire to my bike blew and I flipped my bike. So I I you know flipped over my handlebars and I what ended up happening there's sort of two ways to read what happened. one version of the story is like what actually happened, which is that everybody who I came across over the next several hours, 24 to 48 hours while I needed medical care was incredibly generous to me. This like stranger gave me a ride and somebody else in my group carried my pack for me. And these, you know, strangers let me into their home and like, cleaned my cut and gave me some sort of Advil or ibuprofen or something and gave me a ton of water because I clearly had a concussion. I was seeing stars and whatever. So objectively, what happened was all of these people, all of these strangers came together and were incredibly kind to me and took really good care of me. My experience at the time as somebody who was not understanding culturally what was happening, as somebody who it turns out was concussed, but who was just scared and a stranger in you know, a rural part of a foreign land, was that I was terrified. I got into a van with a stranger. I got separated from my backpack. I was handed pills that I felt socially pressured to take. And like the whole thing, I was just terrified the entire time. And I just thought about that story, watching Harry just so bravely go through Diagon Alley as a stranger in a strange land for the first time. Whereas I assumed that everybody was out to get me and everybody was going to take advantage of my vulnerability. Harry, on the other hand, is so excited about any change and he is just accepting this world with optimism and hope and glee. So um, I'm really excited to read this chapter of Diagon Alley through the theme of being a stranger and see the different ways that being a stranger in a strange land can impact the way that you walk through the world.
0: But before we get into the theme, it's time for our 30-second recap. Now, Vanessa, last time I went first as the sacrificial lamb, so this time it's up to you. Get ready.
1: Hang on. Wait, wait, wait.
0: There is no waiting.
1: <laughs> Hang
0: on. This is a 30-second professional <laughs> recap. Starting three, two, one, Go.
1: Hagrid brings Harry to Diagon Alley in order to buy all of his school supplies for the year, and it's an orientation for Harry into the wizarding world. And it is very much done through the lens of money. First thing they do is go to Gringotts to the bank, and Harry figures out what sort of muggle money is. Nope, what wizard money is. He um, finds out that Hogwarts has secrets to it, and then he buys all of the things that he needs for school. He gets an owl, and then he gets sent back to the Dursleys in order to wait out a month before he goes to Hogwarts. And-
0: How does she do it?
1: I'm amazing. Okay. I mean, Casper, you got to cheat and listen to me do it first. Are you ready?
0: So not ready.
1: (laughs) No. Come on. It's only fun if you're cocky and like rude about it.
0: I'm amazing. (laughs) I'm going to do it great.
1: Ready? Steady. Go.
0: So Hagrid takes Harry into Diagon Alley through a hidden bar in the London kind of jungle, and there he's recognised instantly, and he's returned as a hero. And he meets Professor Quirrell, his future defence against the Dark Arts. And um, he goes to all sorts of shops and uh, gets money on a little thing. And there's something hidden in the, the oh, Gringotts, and the not trolls, yeah, definitely not trolls, goblins, goblins. And
1: and uh, two seconds, one second, uh you were doing really well you just lost steam hmm.
0: i just tried to be funny with us.
1: <laughs> it was funny it just
0: didn't quite work out <laughs> let's dive into chapter five diagon alley so we're reading with the theme of being the stranger and this whole chapter is about discovery it's about new experiences it's about engaging with a new world Um, through owls, you know, through a new currency, through different species that Harry is meeting, seeing hidden places in London. He's never even been to London. So even the non-magical world is a a place where Harry is a stranger. And so what strikes me is that nearly all of these engagements with the new is done through commerce, is done through shopping.
1: Yes, this got pointed out to us by a professor of ours, by Professor Amy Hollywood, that that Harry gets oriented into the wizarding world through capitalism. It's like, don't worry, Harry, you're rich, which gives him agency in this strange world. I think this world would be a lot stranger to him if he suddenly got there and also couldn't afford anything. But the fact that Harry, the first thing that Harry does in order to get oriented into this world is he's given just heaps of gold and then you know, he can access it. So the strangeness of the world is is all new to him, but it's all incredibly accessible to him.
0: Absolutely. And the strange becomes familiar through that act of purchasing. Um, so I think it's I think it's interesting how this act of consumption for Harry is one of, of ownership and of control over the strange.
1: I mean he has purchase power, right? But what's interesting is that it it's not the money that gives value. To things for Harry, there's a quote in the book, while Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns at 21 galleons each and minuscule, glittery black beetle eyes, five newts a scoop. So these two things, which one is tiny and super expensive, and the other, which you can buy in a big scoop and is quite cheap, they're both equally interesting to Harry, right? It doesn't matter that it is a silver unicorn horn or if it's a beetle eye, just the fact that he is touching these things and is in this different world is exciting to him. And this is also how he's orienting himself to what is valued in this world,
0: But at the same time, he wants like, you know, fully gold cauldron, which is first of all against the regulations which insist on pewter. And Hagrid kind of has to like bring him back and rein in that wanting the showy, uh, shiny product.
1: Right. We're seeing sort of like nouveau riche instincts. It's the
0: worst of nouveau riche. (laughs) That potter boy. And you know, we should ask, is is that something he learned in the Dursley household, you know, in terms of being showy and trying to show off wealth? And it's funny that he remarks in the bookshop that even Dudley would be interested in these books, you know, some of them as small as a stamp. He's learned what is valuable in the Dursley household. And I think that's at play here and what he's interested in.
1: We're also seeing some sort of identity politics play out with what you purchase. Like, we communicate things through our labels. And so I think Harry is learning that here. He's learning that he is going to be putting off certain things through what he purchases and what he doesn't purchase. Even though in the magical world, we're we're also being taught that, to some extent, our purchases choose us. And we see that very clearly in Ollivanders.
0: And I think when Harry walks into Ollivanders, this theme of the stranger being eliminated also really takes place because he you know he encounters all of these strange ones and then finally this this wand of holly is the one for him and he is being reunited with a part of him that was maybe always waiting for him you know as harry makes not friends but acquaintances in this new magical world he's also making acquaintance with a part of his own story and his own humanity his own magic which has so far been hidden from him so that 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 Moving from stranger to intimacy, I think, it happens in that reuniting moment between those phoenix feathers and, and Harry himself.
1: It just strikes me. I mean, this is such a brilliant... Way of introducing us into the wizarding world through Harry's eyes, and you know, and we're given this amazing narrator of Hagrid sort of explaining things as we go. And so, we're offered three different points of perspective in Ollivander's shop. We are Ollivander looking for the right wand, we are Harry not quite understanding what Ollivander is looking for, and then we're also invited to see this experience through Hagrid's eyes of he sitting on this couch and watching it happen. And so, we have all three perspectives happening of what the wizarding world is you know and one is as a stranger and we're experiencing this for the first time and the other two are these very knowledgeable people in the wizarding world
0: and yet hagrid is also a stranger yeah. you know first of all because his wand is taken away from him it is snapped into and we we see him secretly hiding his pink umbrella in which the the, the wand is kept he, can i
1: just read that quote real quick it's so sad well, um, Ollivander, of course, remembers every wand he has ever sold. And so Ollivander says about Hagrid's wand, good wand, that one. But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled, said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Er, yes, they did. Yes, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. But you don't use them, said Mr. Ollivander sharply. Oh, no, sir, said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his Pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. And this is really interesting to me because it's is a broken thing still a thing? If you're not allowed to use it, does it still have power? There's a lot going on in these few sentences here.
0: The other thing in taking Hagrid's wand away. In the previous chapter, we learned that Harry, before he knew he was a wizard, was already doing sort of magic without his own will. And so it suggested that magic is in us. There's something which can't be taken away. And yet you need a wand to be able to bring that magic to focused power and to fruition. And to think that the magical world, or that the authority within the Ministry of Magic structure, has the power to take away that tool from Hagrid and relegate him to a sort of childhood, is such a is such a violation of who he is. Because if the one chooses the wizard to to take away the thing that's chosen, you is dehumanizing. Don't you think?
1: Absolutely. So I love that Hagrid, who's so sweet and affable and in a lot of ways respects authority. He has a very interesting relationship with authority, but I love that he has kept the bits of it hidden in this pink umbrella, right? That. He, he hasn't given in to that being taken from him, which is a, it's a continuous and constant act of rebellion.
0: And teaches Harry to stand up against structures of authority that seem unfair. I love that because he's never let that at the Dursleys' home. But in seeing Hagrid flout those rules and doing things which, you know, sometimes are funny, like giving Dudley a pig's tail and sometimes are really useful, shows him that, you know, following the rules is maybe not the best way to go.
1: Absolutely. Certainly thinking critically about when to follow the rules and when not to. The other thing that Harry is seeing through watching Hagrid is the full array in which the magical world responds to strangers. By watching Hagrid walk, you know, just a little bit ahead of him in this world, he's watching the way that this world responds to outsiders.
0: Yeah, He in so many ways is a stranger. He is knitting on the underground. He is um, too large to sit on the chair. The chair breaks. He is constantly a stranger in this world, both in the non-magical London, the magical London. And of course, when he goes to the giant world, he's a stranger there as well. And, you know, it's interesting that Draco describes him as like some sort of savage who lives isolated away from the rest of Hogwarts. I, it just really struck me how othered Hagrid is, except in one moment, when they enter Diagon Alley, he remembers what bricks to tap, and the, the bricks reform into an arch through which he doesn't need to crouch. And it made me wonder, does this does this arch in Diagon Alley, does, does this hidden secret entryway change to the shape that it needs for whoever's passing through? Because... What I love about that, at least what it says to me, is that even though these social structures reject Hagrid for who he is, the essential magical world that's physically around does welcome him um, in a way that it welcomes Harry as well.
1: This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Quip. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text listeners, I don't want to scare you, but three members of the Not Sorry Productions team have recently lost a tooth. Now, none of this was because of bad brushing, it was because of accidents that happened, but I am concerned about people who love Harry Potter and their teeth. Quips Electric Toothbrush can help you in your routine of keeping your teeth why it's perfect for getting back into a routine after the summer. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Harry Potter right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Harry Potter. My brother and sister-in-law have a fig tree, and it makes me sad because I live 3,000 miles away from the fig tree... And I love figs. I think they are like proof of a higher being. Now, I resent them less because due to Fleur's amazing Hanami scent, I get to smell like the fig tree. They make stunning, non-toxic perfumes and they list all of their ingredients online. You get a good scent made with clean ingredients. And the sample process is just good old fun. Go to Fleur.com slash Harry Potter today to check out our curated sample set and get 20% off of your first custom Fleur sample set. That's P-H-L-U-R dot com slash Harry Potter to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. Fleur.com slash Harry Potter. So now that we've discussed our theme a little bit, let's take this a step further and pick a sentence in order to do our sacred practice for the week, which once again will be Lectio Divina. Um, so I will just pick a sentence at random. Here we go. Up another escalator out into Paddington Station, Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. So this will present a nice little challenge for us because it is a really boring sentence. But um, I think part of what's exciting about Lectio Divina is that hopefully (laughs) we will learn, we'll see if we learn this, is that you can find beauty in meaning in not in anything, but in a lot of things and certainly in unexpected places. So Casper, up another escalator out into Paddington Station. Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. What is literally happening? Step one of Lectio Divina.
0: So Harry and Hagrid have left Diagon Alley. They've done their shopping um, and they are heading back to the Dursleys' home. Paddington is one of the largest train stations in London and takes you on trains west. So we know that they live somewhere in the western suburbs of London. And uh, before Harry's train leaves, you know, they're going to get some food um, because they've spent all day shopping. So the, the second layer is to think allegorically about what's going on here. Um is there anything that strikes you, Vanessa, about images or, or other stories that this reminds you of?
1: Yeah, I mean, up another escalator out into Paddington Station, right? He, there's a transition happening of they've been down in this. I mean, they've been down in London, too, but they've been down in this wizarding world. They've been down in this other world. And, you know, that feeling of when you come up and suddenly you're in a totally different space. You get off an airplane and you're in a different country. We've all had those moments where you walk out of a movie, you went in and it was light out and you come out and it's nighttime. Whatever it is, those moments where you go up an escalator and you just come out in a totally different way.
0: I'm getting like allegory bombs going off in my head right now. The fact that it's an escalator Reminds me that they were stuck on an escalator that didn't work. They had to walk up an escalator that wasn't working before they got to Diagon Alley. And now they're on one that is working. And so there's this sense of movement. And there was, you know, 11 years of stuckness. And now there is this rapid transition for Harry, which I love um and secondly the fact that it's paddington station reminds me of paddington bear which i don't know if that was a big thing in america but oh, it is. right like that there's another stranger arriving in london from peru which oh my goodness totally relates to your story so you know and who who built this wonderful connection with Britain. and you know so there's the, again this stranger becoming familiar uh, i'm just seeing a lot of symbolic Overcoming of strangeness into familiarity.
1: Oh my gosh. And this whole sentence, it's just a metaphor, right? I mean, Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder, right? Like, that could be the thesis for, you um, know, for Harry's life of like. Who he is. Yeah. He only realized who he was when Hagrid taps him on the shoulder. And then I love that it ends with this very pedestrian. Bit, it's again Hagrid feeding him. You know, they meet through Hagrid feeding him, and now he's like, I'm going to feed you up one more time. I mean, this goes back to last week's episode of generosity, but Hagrid is just incapable of stopping giving to Harry. He always has to be feeding Harry, giving him things. He's bought him um, a bird. He's right. He's just constantly bestowing things upon Harry. So, Harry's going back to the Dursleys, but with a totally different orientation of having been tapped on the shoulder, of having been fed and given all these things. Okay, so step three of Lectio Divina is what does this say to us in our world? Um, Casper.
0: Once or twice in my life, I've had a mentor who was able to see in me something that I wasn't yet able to see in myself. And... I love what you say about Harry being tapped on the shoulder to help realize who he is by Hagrid, because that's exactly what's happened. And there have been a couple of times in my life where a really generous mentor has kind of metaphorically tapped me on the shoulder and who saw something in me that I didn't yet see in myself. Um, And I think this passage really reminds me of that because... It takes someone else to help you see that. It took someone else to help me see that. And the, one of the reasons why I'm in Divinity School is for the amazing Charlotte Miller, who helped me understand that maybe what I was doing kind of had something to do with spirituality without me knowing. Um, and so I that's what I'm really reminded of in terms of my own experience, is that it, it takes someone like Hagrid for Harry to feel connected, to feel welcomed in. And, and it takes a real intimate loving connection to to trust that invitation how about you vanessa
1: i'm really struck by the um up another escalator out into paddington station i hate transitions i hate transitions i'm terrible at them and i do it to myself all the time i mean it's like almost a joke but there's such optimism being projected onto this of like there's plenty of time to get a bite to eat and there's plenty you know there's just real abundance being offered into this moment and I as much as I always hate transitions I think the reason that I constantly do them is there's such excitement to them right you like you don't know what is going to be up the next escalator and it's so exciting those moments where you know those moments where you find yourself to be a stranger whenever I come back from a trip I'm exhausted, but I'm also, I'm so refreshed and re-excited about the world and the vastness of the world. And so to me, this really just speaks to the excitement of the adventure that Harry is about to go on.
0: And I love that there's an escalator that leads to a train, right? This is just a pit stop. There's always another journey coming.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. So step four of Lectio Divina is what does this call you to do? So Casper, this very boring sentence, what has it called you to?
0: I'm just really hung up on this this image of mentorship and um, tapping someone on the shoulder. And I'm nearly 30 years old, so I'm feeling like very aged. And But most of the time, I, I feel pretty young still. You know, I think about, you know, where are my elders? And um, I'm still so young and have so much to learn. And maybe I need to start thinking about, well, who can I bring With me, like, what younger person can I turn to and tap on the shoulder? So that's something I want to think about this week of, like, are there younger people in my life or do I actually need to make some new connections to to do that? Um, Because it's such a gift that we can give to help someone discover the gifts that they have to give in the world. How about you, Vanessa? What action does this unusual sentence offer to you?
1: I am struck by the, got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves. Because I just think there's something so lovely about breaking bread with somebody else. And, you know, in divinity school and chaplaincy, you talk a lot about communion and the humanist chaplaincy where I work. We host brunches just because we think it's important to eat together. Then Harry's about to go back to the Jerseys. He's about to sort of have one last awful month before he gets to go to Hogwarts. And so I think that sort of nourishing him up through this lovely meal with Hagrid is a lovely way to send him offer. So I'm, I'm being called to just find opportunities to eat slowly and eat with people I love and really value those opportunities. Okay, so it's time for this week's blessings. Um, Casper, that's your name, right? It turns out. Okay, so Casper, who would you like to offer up a blessing for this week?
0: I want to bless Ollivander. He reveals to Harry something that's really important. Um, the fact that his wand and Voldemort's wand are, are brothers. And this is something Voldemort doesn't even know. And it gives Harry an upper hand at this point where he is so powerless and so um, inexpert in the world of magic. He carries with him this this piece of knowledge he might not even know yet is important. And I wonder what else Ollivander tells other people as they come in about their wand. How he shapes who they understand themselves to be by the choices that the wand has made um because olivander has to see who that child is in their 11 year old self to know what kind of wand will want that child so i think that he not only sells products that help people define who they are but he actually gives them uh, a sense of identity that goes way beyond just the choice of the wand um You know, and it's that point of mentoring again, you know, every encounter that Ollivander has in his shop is a mentoring relationship of formation, of gift giving and helping that child become who they were meant to be. How about you, Vanessa? Who are you blessing in this episode?
1: I will say that um, limiting to women, I'm getting more and more excited to like meet Hermione and McGonagall. There are so many great women in these books, and we just really aren't meeting them yet.
0: It's just Doris Crockford so far.
1: It's Doris Crockford, who very sweetly is part of you know the Harry Welcoming Committee, even though she's one woman and it's like four other men. And then um, Madame Malkin, who measures for robes, bless her heart. And I I do think that, you know, they both deserve our blessings, but I'm actually going to bless Lily. Um she's been brought up a lot, but we are already hearing this refrain of you look like your father, but you have your mother's eyes. And Lily's love for Harry protected him for the rest of his life and protects him from evil incarnate. And so I carry my mom with me wherever I go and The best advice that I offer to people are always direct quotes from my mom. You know, have a nap before you make a big decision. Sanity has a price and it's always worth it. Like all of the wisest things that I say are things that my mom has taught me. And so I want to offer a blessing to Lily and just for the impacts that amazing mothers who love their children unconditionally can have. It is a protection. It is a magical spell that works. It's a charm that works, right? We find out from Ollivander that Lily's wand was good for charms. So I want to offer my blessing to Lily Potter and to all of the moms out there who love their kids unconditionally. Yay. I love you too, dad. Just not as much.
0: Not as much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text.
1: We can't wait to reconnect with you next week as we read chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters through the theme of expectation.
0: If you have thoughts for a different sacred reading of today's chapter, we want to hear from you. So please use your phone's voice recorder and send us a sound file in an email. Or you can just email us the old fashioned way at text at gmail.com or use the contact box on harrypottersacredtext.com.
1: While on the website, you can vote on today's winner of the 30-second challenge. You can find program notes about today's episode and learn more about sacred reading.
0: A big thanks to our Kickstarter supporter of the week, Ruth Dawkins, Rebecca and Charlie Ledley, Lauren Taylor, Shane Bannon, and Rufus, the Harvard Communications team, the Humanist Hub, and our Harry Potter and the Sacred Text Reading group. Our music is by Ivan Fizzo and Nick Boll. This episode was produced by Vanessa Zolton, me, Kasvater Kyle, and Ariana Nedelman. Time to bless. Bless. I want to bless the lady goblins, because where are they?
1: <laughs> yeah, why are there no why? lady goblins? Why are there no
0: lady goblins?
1: How, how do baby goblins get made? Well,
0: that <laughs> is the question.
1: Hi, it's Joseph Fink. My friend Jeffrey and I created Welcome to
0: Night Vale back in 2012. Normally, we're the ones turning our ideas into writing, But for our brand new show, Start With This, it's you who will do the creating. On each episode, we'll talk about a topic of the creative process. Then we will give you two short assignments, something to consume and something to create. You can share your work on our membership forum to see what other people are up to. We want you to start creating, one simple assignment at a time, because the best way to start writing is to start writing. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.